the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following show is pre-recorded. Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Operations for 820 AM The Word. My special guest today is Jason Earls, Jason Earls Comedy. And my concern, Jason, is, is that you're so shy and so humble that I'm going to have a tough time getting a word edgewise out of you. Because so far, I mean, it's all been just quiet and... Yeah, I'm sorry, man. (laughs) Buckle up, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) laughter is good for the soul, and uh, you and I have just been swapping some stories. We just met, and I love doing this because I like to kind of hear fresh uh, how the Lord's worked in your life and how he's called you to ministry. So you got to give me some background. Where are you from and, and who are you? So for, first of all, as a leader in the body of Christ, man, I just I just want to underscore the fact, everybody, he said he just, we just met. So that takes all responsibility off of him. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's safe. That's, it is safe. There's no endorsement right, going on absolutely. here. I'm just in, doing an interview. I don't know this guy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lesson to all the leaders out there. Don't just come on and say, oh, this is the best guy I've ever met. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, we'll discern that as we're yeah, going Yeah, absolutely. Along. Right, right. <laughs> so Seattle guy, uh, Washington guy. Kind of. For uh, part of my heart, Seattle. I was born and raised in Virginia. Born and raised. My dad's a pastor in Virginia. Uh, my granddad, both of my granddads were pastors out in Virginia, and most of my uncles are pastors. Even my dog is a pastor. <laughs> we call him the Reverend German Shepherd. And, uh, okay, I'm not going to explain. Never mind. So. <laughs> do, I, do I need a laugh track? Well, no. For, for no, no you, laugh be track. Okay? All authentic here. All, okay. All, all right. <laughs> so, so I went to, um, after graduating Virginia State University, uh, home of the Trojan Explosion, marching band, whoop, whoop, I, I went to Dallas Theological Seminary. And, uh, you know, knowing that I'm called to this comedy world, primarily to the body of Christ, if I'm going to talk Christian stuff, I want to be able to do it and do it well. So went to Dallas Theological Seminary and working at da- I mean, during Dallas Theological Seminary, I started working at a church called it's a small church in Dallas called Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship. <laughs> uh, it's a pastor there, a young guy with a great promise, man. Uh, it's got Tony Evans. Yeah, is just his name. yeah. Some I think people he might, may have I, I may think have might heard of be him. impactful one day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so the guy who hired me at the church, he came to Seattle uh, to to start pastoring, and after I stepped away from my from my job at Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship to uh, do comedy full-time. The phone rings one day. He said, hey, I just got off the phone with Dr. Evans. He told me that you're still around the church, but you're 
doing comedy now. You can do comedy where anywhere from the country. Can you move to Seattle to be my youth pastor? I was like, move to Seattle? <laughs> uh, they got this thing down in Dallas. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but it's called um, – the sun. That's what it's called. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so, yeah. So I was like, why in the world would I move to Seattle? My family's from Virginia. My wife's family from Virginia. We don't know anybody except for, you know, you guys. And but, you know, after a while, we just prayed and we told them, you know what, we'll come to visit. And we came to visit and the people in the church, I thought they were trying to manipulate us. <laughs> Cause we walked in and I said, Ah, oh, can you be Oh, you've passed a little kid. I'm oh, like, really? <laughs> Who <laughs> yeah. told you to say that? <laughs> yeah. Long story short, we uh, we packed up and felt called to the Pacific Northwest to bring some sunshine or some light up here. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that pastor? That is- pastor is Andre Sims, Dr. Andre Sims. Right. So I stayed there from 2007 to 2011, and comedy just started. Uh, God started allowing it to expand and explode. And I have a family. And I just didn't like getting up at four o'clock in the morning to wake my young wife up of all these kids. And uh, so we decided to move back to centrally location, the central location of Dallas, Texas, so I can fly anywhere in the country. Yeah. But now I, I come back here once a month to speak at a church. So. Oh, very good. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, so let's go back. So you grew up a PK. Yeah. But uh, what about your spiritual formation? I mean, did you go through a crisis of faith, or were you just, it was just like, hey, I was in church as a little boy, and I just grew to know the Lord, and that was it? Here's the most amazing thing about that. So, of course, I did, I grew up in a, with a strong Christian family. Mm-hmm. And one day, I just randomly, I was playing outside. It's the weirdest thing. I was playing outside. And I walked in the house, went downstairs in our laundry room, had a bathroom, and I pulled down the toilet seat and just kneeled down and said, as a little kid, said, dear Jesus, uh, please come into my heart and went back outside. I didn't tell anybody. The next Sunday, we're in Sunday school. Mr. Tyrese Jones, my Sunday school teacher, he started talking about salvation. And he said, first of all, you got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. You got to acknowledge that you you need Jesus, confess your sins, and then accept Christ as your Savior. And look, look, kid, I thought, well, I guess I'm not saved, man. I guess because I didn't confess my sins. I just asked Jesus to come into my heart. And then I was at a birthday party. My my older brother, older brother, my older brother and his friend were teasing this girl, and they were going back and forth bantering. She was saying stuff to them. And my brother's friend made an inappropriate joke. I laughed. Two days later, my mom found out about it. She called me in the room and said, Jason, what did my brother's, what did he say to her? I'm like, he said, and I told her the inappropriate joke that he said. She said, what did you do? I said, mama, I laughed. My mom said, Jason, that's not good. You know that's not right. You shouldn't laugh at stuff like that. I said, yes, (laughs) ma'am. And I went to my room. Dropped to my knees and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. (laughs) (laughs) I accept Jesus, please. I accept Jesus as my Savior. Save me, Lord. Here's the amazing thing. At eight years old, it was a joke that helped me realize how much I need Jesus. Mm. And what am I doing now? You're a comedian. (laughs) (laughs) That is so amazing to me. God used a joke 
to bring me to him and now is using jokes to help me bring other people to him. Wow. Well, I mean, God uses a lot of different situations and a lot of different uh, instances, doesn't he? Yeah, he to draw does. to draw each of us to himself, uh, you know this program, Heart of the City. I get to sit and listen to ministry leaders and pastors tell stories just like that. Maybe yeah. it wasn't a joke, maybe it was a circumstance, or maybe it was something somebody said, or or whatever. But God has a unique way of drawing us to Himself, doesn't yeah, He? Yeah, He does. Absolutely. And I'm sure you had a praying mama and daddy too. That was just you know, yeah, and the. The, and I, I want to speak to not just the moms and dads, but to the grandparents. My um, my grandmother, uh, I come from, my grandfather was born in 1904. He was, my dad was born in 55. So I had older grandparents. And my grandmother, they weren't educated. My granddad from North Carolina, Rocky Mount, North Carolina, had a third grade education, had to drop out of school to take care of the tobacco farm or work on the tobacco farm. My grandmother, who's from North Carolina, had an eighth grade education. But she, in her limited education, was a praying woman and a godly woman, has a legacy in my hometown of just ministering to a lot of people. My dad says that she would hold me, and I used to cry a lot. I had a double hernia when I was a baby. And my dad said that my grandmother held me in her arms and said, Robert, he's crying a lot, but give him here, and she would pray for me. She said, this boy is special. My dad always says this. It gets weird. I don't even know why I'm telling this now, but she said, he's special. God's going to use him. And so now my dad, with the ironic thing is my dad, talk about how God uses certain things to, God uses foolish things to confound the wise. Mm-hmm. My dad had a struggle with me being a comedian at first. Even though he saw people coming to the Lord, the idea that this this little kid that his mom held that said God was going to make him special, who became a preacher. After going to school, he went to Dallas Theological Seminary. My dad was just like, uh, my dad didn't go to seminary right off. Right. So he's like, here's the third generation preacher who's going to Dallas Theological Seminary, understanding the Greek languages. Now he's traveling the country, making people laugh. <laughs> he, t- man, he told me he said man i have a hard time with you saying that you're a minister of the gospel and you making people laugh <laughs> <laughs> well that's kind of old school i mean in the sense of i i understand you know that you know the gifts and callings of god are without reproach you know yeah. and so you know there's this certain uh, being circumspect about about that whole calling <laughs> issue but the reality is God can use a comedian to to reach a heart that maybe never could be reached in any other way. I, I would I would even say to that, uh, God God created laughter. God created our body. Like sometimes we can respond to things that are funny unintentionally. When somebody the, the funniest joke that laughed the funniest joke that you've ever laughed at, or the time where you've laughed the hardest, you didn't plan to laugh hard. In fact, sometimes, even as a kid, you would try to control yourself at church. <laughs> like, there's this, you know, this involuntary response to laughter that God created that I believe, like you said, is without repentance. But I believe, as Jesus said, what Paul told us about Jesus, he came to reconcile all things back to himself. Amen. And I believe that God wants to reconcile comedy back to himself. And comedy opens doors 
unlike any other thing. You look at an area, talking about the heart of the city, this Pacific Northwest, and all that God wants to do in the Pacific Northwest, in this dark place, people need laughter. And what la- laughter is the closest distance between two strangers. And if you can make people laugh, how much will that open up opportunities for God to do amazing things in the heart of this city? Well, tell me about how you discovered you were. <laughs> this is a funny. This is funny to me to ask you this question because how did you find out you were funny? I mean, <laughs> that's kind of a weird question, right? right? But I mean, I guess because when you talk, people laughed. Yeah. I suppose uh, you exactly right. But was there kind of a moment in time where it was like? Oh, I can do this on purpose, right? It's just not I, I just didn't happen to say this, but I'm kind of planned to say this. Absolutely. Seventh grade. Seventh I, grade. I there can, you go. I can tell you the distinct moment. I was in class and I said something and people laughed and I was like, Whoa. People been doing that all the time. I'm really good at this. Now you gotta know and there was a moment in fourth grade, I'll talk about this in just a second. Uh, well, I recognize it, but in middle school, I just recognized I had friends who were athletes. My dad played basketball in high school. My brother played basketball. I was in the band, wasn't the best band student. I was. I only became first chair when the first chair person was missing on challenge day. <laughs> I was like, he's absent. I got first chair. <laughs> I wasn't the greatest academic student. I was at best a, a C average. My granddad would say he thought I was going to be a scuba diver because all of my grades were below sea level. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but that really, I, I was at best a C student, at best. But I noticed when it came to laughing, Chuck, I was the best. As, yeah, I was the best ever. Um, so, I, in doing so, one girl named Tamika, Tamika came to me and said this. I said something in middle school, and she said, Jason, you funny. And it was that moment I said, that's right. I am funny. (laughs) (laughs) And my eyes became open to the comedy world, the funny world. Uh And that's when in in my my junior year in high school, I told my dad, I said, Dad, the preacher, I said, Dad, I got an announcement to make. Instead of going to college, I saw on TV they had this comedy school. So instead of going to college, I'm going to the improv to study to be a comedian. My dad looked at me and said, boy, you funny. (laughs) (laughs) You are hilarious, I tell you that much. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. yeah. And I thought, well, that's the end of that. I guess I got to go to college. That's right. (laughs) Well, Later on, in the, I'm going to ask you about maybe a misperception that just because you're a comedian, you're not serious. Yeah. Because you, I'm sure you are. You're a serious thinker. Hmm. Because a lot, of, a lot of people make that mistake that since you're funny, you're not a deep person. Right. And, and I'm sure you are. That's, 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 my, you know, that's one of my deepest hurts hmm. with the body of Christ. It's, you know, I show up. Uh, and God has opened up a lot of doors. You name the major church in the country, I've probably been there to do comedy. Uh, in fact, I got booked. I got booked to do Saddleback Community Church. Uh, a young guy by the name of Rick Warren, 
there. And when I was booked one day, it was the weekend, the week of that I was being booked, a friend called me and said, hey, turn on the news. And I turned on the news and they were announcing that Rick Warren's son had committed suicide. Mm -hmm. That was the week that I was supposed to go. Hmm. And I just thought, well, <clears throat> one of the greatest opportunities. Thanks, Lord, I appreciate it. But I know that it's going to cancel. They're going to cancel that. The next day I get a call from that particular pastor of that, that invited me to that church, that staff person. And I answered the phone kind of somber. Just kind of, you know how we do when somebody right, passes right. out. Yeah. You think that you have to be low when they actually need you to be encouraging. Right. So I was like, hey, how you doing? This is Jason. He said, hey, what's up, man? Oh, dude, man, I'm sure you heard. But we so excited to have you coming this weekend. We need to laugh, brother. So you come. We are so ready for you. And I was like, uh, no, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, so my, my, my point in telling you that story is that people need to laugh, but but I've got more than laughter. Right. My slogan is, I don't live to make people laugh. I make people laugh to help them live. Hmm. And that comes out of, that was birthed out of a desire. When I show up at a lot of these churches, I'm in the pastor's room. I'm in the green room with the leaders of the church. And sometimes... And this is no knock to them, no, nothing derogatory to them, but sometimes they just look at me, oh, here's the funny guy. Mm -hmm. Make us laugh. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no! <laughs> like, Well, and you hear that with, with guys who are comedians that, okay, turn on the switch and perform for me. But you've got a message behind, there's a serious message behind what you're saying. Absolutely. And just people listening, I, one of the worst things you can do when you meet a comedian says, ha, tell me a joke. Right. That is so insult. See, that's not even funny. I was like, what do you do? You know, <laughs> if you're a proctologist, I'm like, hey, you're a proctologist? <laughs> Examine me. Like, yeah, you know, that's right. <laughs> Show me what you got, Doc. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I just, yeah, I, I, here's, here's the reality. God's called all of us who know him to help people understand what Jesus commanded us to do. And that, that right there, more important, when Jesus gave the commission, he didn't commission me to tell jokes necessarily. He commissioned me to make disciples, followers of him. Mm -hmm. Now, as I do that, as I go, the natural bent for me to do that is by making people laugh. But the primary objective there is to bring, to make followers of him. Well, because within comedy is so much an element of truth Ooh, oh baby because you know you listen to george carlin yes sir. while it can be raw or you listen to chris rock yes. while it's and those are older comedians if you will right while they're but their truth the truth of what the underlying truth is what is funny you know but they're delivering a message even in that right? I, so i've got this typically at some conferences at, at pastors and leadership conferences i do a i do a session called stand up and preach how looking at the art of communication that comes through the vein of stand-up comedy and how a person could, could benefit in their biblical communication. Because here's the thing. If the average comedy special is an hour and 30 minutes at a comedy club, when you go to a comedy club, the headliner is going to do 90 minutes of stand-up comedy. Netflix or, or these different streaming services, their comedy special 
is, you know, is 60 minutes. So here's the question. If on Sunday morning people get antsy after 20, if you go 26 minutes or 46 minutes, depending on the preacher, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah. they get antsy, but yet these guys have a microphone and they talk for 60 to 90 minutes communicating their perspective of truth. And we have the inspired divine word of God and we're limited to 25 minutes. <laughs> Maybe it's a communication ability. So if people come to, with the expectation of a stand-up comedian that I'm going to speak, use my mouth to communicate and you laugh for 60 to 90 minutes, why not use that as an opportunity to somehow infuse the divine inspired word of God in the midst of it to change people's lives. Amen. Hey, I, I want to do some house uh, keeping here. Uh, we've got about three minutes left. Do you have time to do a, a second show? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll plan on doing that so we can, we <laughs> let's can clean kinda... up the house so you can sit down, do your chores right quick and we'll come back for some more. Yeah. We'll come back for some more. So as we've got about th- four minutes left, let's just kind of wrap up this, this segment. Tell, tell us, uh, because we'll do this in part two, we'll hear okay. some more of the story, but tell us about when, uh, the the lady that prayed for you, and when you went and and did your kind of your first stand up at at church. <sighs> okay, okay. You want me to tell the whole part? Or just sure. Part you got four minutes. Okay, four minutes. All right. So, uh, so I went to Dallas Theological Seminary, and Howard Hendricks, uh, renowned professor in Bible study methods class, he was talking about gifts and creativity, and how God's glory is revealed in us in creativity. So he said, ladies and gentlemen. Let's say that you're at a dinner party and God's given you the creative ability to play the piano. And at this dinner party, people ask you to play the piano. And you, out of your bashfulness of trying to be shy, say, no, I don't want to play it. He said, shame on you. Shame on you for denying God an opportunity to glorify himself with the abilities that he's given you. So I wasn't doing stand-up comedy then. So I go back home. Now my mom is a pastor's wife. She's a leader in the community. She was a national and international president of a minister's wives organization. So she had all the minister's wives event and she has her seminary graduate student son at home. So I'm helping my mom get the party, get the event ready. And she said, Jason, I want you to uh, do your little comedy skit. At that time, I only did two, three minute comedy skits. I want you to do your comedy skit for my pastor's wives thing. I was like, uh, mom, nah, I don't want to do it. All these ladies going to be sitting around trying to impress each other. No, mom. And my mom got quiet. And she said, uh, she didn't say anything. And I thought back to what Howard Hendricks said, that I was denying God an opportunity. So I said, okay, mom, I'll do it. A lady came to me, pastor's wife, said, I want you to do a comedy show next time you're in town. Came back. She called me. You going to do a comedy event? You said you would. I did an hour and 30 minutes of comedy when I only did skits, kids got saved. Some kids rededicated their life to the Lord. And as I was walking out to go get changed, she said, before you leave, Brother Earls, we want all the pastors of the community to come. And all these pastors came, and they laid hands on me. Now, I'm a, I'm a seminary student. I'm no, I've been studying laying hands on people was primarily to send people out, to commission them. They laid hands on me. I was like, no, what are you doing? All the elders and pastors of my town prayed for me and 
Ask God to bless my comedy ministry. I'm like, I don't have one. And ask God to use me to go out to the world to impact people to carry his message I do with stand-up comedy. So I was involuntarily solicited to impact the people who are listening right now. <laughs> you know, I've been doing a study in Galatians, and the the teacher is Jada Edwards, and she's she she's doing yeah, this study. Wife, my yeah. friends, yeah. 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 So she's she's got this video series, and I'm doing she's doing it on Galatians and. Yeah. Uh, chapter two in this series uh, of Galatians chapter two is talking about Paul's assignment that Paul mm. articulated his assignment that the Lord had given to him to reach the Gentiles. Right. Yeah. And Jada in this study talks about that each one of us needs to understand our assignment that the Lord has given mm-hmm. to us. Yes, and so. this story that you're sharing is exactly that, that, that the Lord began to work in you to give the assignment that he wanted you for Jason Earl's to proclaim the good news of Jesus through comedy. Yeah. Well, we've got another part two to this story. And if you want to know more about Jason, you can go to Jason Earls, E-A-R-L-S dot com. And uh, check out uh, the comedy of Jason Earls as well as Marriage DNA. And we'll talk about that in part two, okay? Oh, it's going to be fun. You bet. You've been listening to this 820 AM, the word special heart of the city. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, the word, call Chuck Olmstead, 206-269-6216, or go to thewordseattle.com.